Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It is a special Sunday night edition of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert, Julian McKenzie, and Julian... It's a small sacrifice on our part, recording late today, while maybe the best game of the entire year is on. But that's not why we're recording right now. Not to give live updates on that, but to give live updates on what the fans, what the fans really want. And what the fans really want is live commentary and analysis of game number 53 for the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> and the Calgary Flames. Man, get I it, was Get just excited, a- man. It's, all, it's you know, we're 10 minutes out. And this game, the one that's still on right now, Florida and Tampa, as I mentioned, maybe game of the year. Just a, just a sidebar. I was just messaging uh, my good buddy, Solon Falchi, who covers the Flames for TSN. And he was telling me how he has to watch this game, the Flames and Canucks. I just sent him a lull-like message. I, I feel for this brother, man. I feel for anyone who has to cover uh, those two teams. Don't they have, like, another game after this, too? Like, they got the two playoffs after are- this. We're in the midst of the Stanley Cup playoffs where every oh, game you know, we've seen to... Oh, no, what? No, go ahead. Sorry. I was wrong. It's game 54. Terrible. Game oh, 54. Who cares? Who cares? Mm. No one cares about the Flames put, of the Canucks right now. I put now. so much work into that intro too, man. I put so much work into that intro, but... That's you know okay. What? But you mentioned guys that are working there now, guys and girls that are working for Calgary and Vancouver... If this game right now is going to overtime, which is five minutes left, I think, in the third period, game one between Florida and Tampa, if that's going to overtime, which it probably will, imagine how many faces are going to be buried into laptops as the actual game in front of them in the rink that they're in is going on. Like, nobody's going to be watching the game. There's probably going to be audible gasps when the overtime winner eventually goes in uh, between these two. And we'll, and I mean, we're going to have to give you live updates on what's happening because it's happening as we speak. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about. So, uh, yeah, what what was your impressions of the day? Game, you know, day one, a little three pack of game ones today. We got Washington and Boston from Saturday night. Like, are you are you feeling the buzz like I am? I know the people in Florida, the nine thousand and Sunrise right now are feeling the buzz. It is insane, my G. Like overtime between Washington and Boston, and then overtime between the Islanders and Pittsburgh, and then overtime between Minnesota and Vegas. Have to admit. Uh, seeing the two teams I picked uh, for the Stanley Cup final both lose in overtime, uh, I don't feel as good about that. But they played them something. They played some really great hockey games. And like I thought about this, you know, we had to make sense of the Tom Wilson debacle from a few nights ago, and the aftermath of that involving scraps between the Rangers and the Capitals. And a lot of people got bold online saying, "Man, this is." 
this is the good stuff. This is the hockey that we need to see. Back to that old-time hockey. Yeah, um, these Stanley Cup playoff games that we've seen right now, if you're trying to get someone into the game of hockey, those are the types of games you should be showing to people, not the Rangers and Capitals beating each other up in a meaningless regular season game. The Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins going at it, even though the goaltending was so par- subpar, and I know we'll get into it, but mm-hmm. Kirill Kaprizov getting robbed by Marc-Andre Fleury, TJ Oshie and, and Nick Dowd on the overtime winner. Tampa Bay and Florida in, in a in a in a state rivalry now that is blowing up. Those are some, not, that's the good shit. Not a single fight yet in this game, unless I fell asleep at some point, which doesn't make sense. Or if I read that Cathal Kelly column, and that's another thing unto itself. But I, did I don't not think even I read I, that. Uh, well, you can check that out when I'm, I'm on one of my spiels. But no fights, but more legitimate animosity and tension in this game than any of the manufactured stuff in that New York-Washington game. Uh, that's for sure. That's the beauty of playoff hockey. Um, okay, so as it, let's do a quick rundown. As it stands mm-hmm. on Monday morning or Sunday night, well, we're, uh, I can't, we can't even do the look ahead because there's a game going on. But as it stands right now, Washington won up on Boston. Islanders won up on Pittsburgh. Minnesota won up on Vegas and the Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning tied at four late in the third period. So you mentioned that your Stanley Cup favorites, the two teams you believe are going to be meeting each other for the championship in the end, both down. So let's lead into the discussion like this. Which team are you most worried about? And then we'll start with that game. And then we'll go to your next most, your, your other concerning result. And then we'll, we'll try and, you know, tie up the loose ends after that. So which of Pittsburgh and Vegas those losses worried you the most, and maybe which team were you impressed by the most out of those two in uh, terms of who I, won the games? Pittsburgh concerns me the most. Uh, I know they have to play without Evgeny Malkin, but Tristan Jerry did not have a good game one. I, I think you could make a case for every single goal that he allowed against the Islanders that he probably should have had. I know for sure the first two he should have had. The third one I think he could have had, and I know Kyle Palmieri, who had two goals all year and then two goals in the playoffs. Uh, I got to that- interrupt you, man. I got it. Go ahead. You. Go ahead. Braden, Braden Point just made it 5-4 with a minute and 14 remaining. <laughs> so it looks like we're going to be able to talk about all these games in full. Um, okay. But we will start with the Penguins. So continue on with Pittsburgh. But just the lay of the land, the live nature of all this, I just thought I would throw that out there before we really get going. I was wondering why you were smiling. I was like, there's no way you're that excited <laughs> to hear me talk about Tristan Jerry. No, uh, not Jerry. No, not that very much. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that goaltending was not their best friend in that opening game, that's something to be concerned about. And I don't know what the Penguins' plans are for game two, but if Jerry puts up another stinker here, they may end up having to go to Casey De- Casey DeSmith uh, at some point in this series, because I, I know there were some stretches where they didn't look as good, but the Penguins found themselves in a situation where they went to overtime. And I think if if Jerry was just a little bit better, they might have won that game. And then whenever Evgeny Malkin was healthy to come back, they could put themselves at an advantage. But I'm a bit more concerned with how the Penguins goaltending kind of let them down in game one. Yeah, big time. And Casey DeSmith did not dress, I believe. Uh, I don't think he was healthy enough to dress. So that's Oh, excuse issue. me. Sorry. That's another, that's another issue for Pittsburgh who are down to, um, you know, down uh, you know, down to Jari. He's their number one. But again, it, it's not uh, an overly positive start from a goaltending standpoint for Pittsburgh. But I don't think it was an overly positive start 
uh, for anyone with the Pittsburgh Penguins besides maybe Sidney Crosby. I thought he played brilliantly. I think we can just expect and pencil in the fact that Sidney Crosby is going to play brilliantly. But I thought everyone played really poorly in that game in terms of the Penguins. Maybe, you know, Brian Dumoulin was okay, but across the board, it was pretty bad. And I think the Evgeny Malkin injury kind of was exposed in this. It seemed like it was a late shock to the system. Maybe they weren't expecting it. But, you know, we talked, we've talked talked before about the benefit of having Jeff Carter. But Jeff Carter upgraded to a second-line center and playing the more important role and not getting mismatches. He didn't seem like the guy who, you know, lit the world on fire when he first got to Pittsburgh or at least eventually lit the world on fire uh, with a late stretch where he was just filling the net. So uh, I thought their depth was exposed a little bit. But then again, I think the Penguins actually found a way to implement their game in Game 1 versus... The long, uh, the, the long Island. Um, it it seemed like they got the game they wanted, and when you do get the game you want as Pittsburgh, and it's more of a run and gun style, you probably have to worry first and foremost about about Matt Barzell. And Matt Barzell wasn't really that good. So finding a way to play your game, but also finding a way to neutralize their best weapon. The fact that they didn't win the game maybe would be surprising if I told you that beforehand. Um, but I feel like, you know, we've talked about how Sid elevates his game when Malkin's out and it doesn't matter. Uh, he did elevate his game and everybody else wasn't good enough. And I think that's probably the biggest concern if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. And the fact that the Islanders didn't play that well and they still got a victory is, is definitely a good thing for Barry Trotz who can now get in the lab and get to work and try and figure out how to stifle the Penguins a little bit more. So, uh, yeah, not a great start for Pittsburgh. No, they need to win game two badly or else they find themselves in a hole going into games three and four. And I mean, yes, my Stanley Cup pick looks a little wonky after that, if that ends up being the case, but the Penguins end up being in a hole. I don't know. It's a bit weird. I didn't expect them to play that badly. I I really thought with how they had ended their season and the stretch that they had, I understand they hadn't played in quite some time and maybe that also plays a role into it as well, but I did not expect the Penguins to kind of look as as shaky as they did. But again, I still maintain if Tristan Jari was just a little bit better, the Penguins might have still found a way to get themselves a victory. And maybe you, you could look at it as a steal of game one or not, but the Penguins might have, might have come away with a victory if Tristan Jari was able to stop at least one of those goals that he allowed in, in Sunday's game. Like it was, it wasn't the greatest performance from him. No, it definitely wasn't. Um, okay. Let's, let's move forward and get his, get to Florida Tampa Bay as quick as we can, but let's make let's a pit stop first with the Minnesota Wild and Golden Knights. I mean, every every lower seed won on Sunday, so that's an interesting thing. But I think the biggest upset out of all of them would probably have to be the Minnesota Wild beating the Golden Knights one to nothing behind a brilliant performance from Cam Talbot. But the funny thing about the performance was that it wasn't nearly as good as what Marc-Andre Fleury did. I think Marc-Andre Fleury's game one was one of the more electrifying goaltending performances I've ever seen. It, it really was a remarkable game for Marc-Andre Fleury, who finally uh, bent in overtime with jo- Joel Eriksson Eck, scoring the game winner for Minnesota. My big concern here is that Vegas seems to be falling into the same trap as last year. I mean, what <laughs> happened in the what happened in the in the uh, second round, I guess, last year against Vancouver? Dominated every shift, every minute, every sequence it seemed against Vancouver, but could not score enough against Thatcher Demko. Now, I don't think it, Cam Talbot is Thatcher Demko, and I don't even think Thatcher Demko is like a world beater in himself. But we saw the same thing happen over again, where. Vegas had all this possession, all these chances, all this dominance in the game from shift to shift, and they really didn't produce 
anything meaningful. Maybe that's a bit harsh because, sure, there were scoring chances. But it just didn't seem, it just seemed again like Vegas didn't have enough to score what, you know, in this tournament. Are you going to outscore four teams if you're Vegas without Max Pacioretty and without addressing what was the biggest need last year? I don't know. So I, I wonder if fans of the Vegas Golden Knights are sitting back after this one tonight and saying, or I guess it was in the afternoon for them, saying like, okay, we went out and got Alex Petrangelo. We didn't trade one of our goalies. I guess that's a good thing because we needed both. But why didn't we address our biggest, you know, our biggest issue in last year's playoffs? I don't know. I I think of the fact Max, Max Pacioretty not playing. I wonder how many of those chances he might have buried against the Minnesota Wild, a team that, funny enough, has given them problems a good chunk of this year. And you go back to that overtime goal that, that Erickson X scored, that ends up happening because Alex Petrangelo fails to clear the puck in his own end. So the defense kind of lets them down near the end before I think the Erickson X shot kind of went off Alec Martinez and behind mm-hmm. Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, it kind of sucks that it had to go that way because Marc-Andre Fleury, as you mentioned before, stood on his head and provided some of the best saves we'll see in the postseason. We had the goaltenders duel to end all goaltending duels in this year's Stanley Cup playoffs, and we might not get another one of those uh, again for the rest of the postseason because that was scintillating to see Cam Talbot and Fleury go at each other. But you're right. The fact that the Vegas Golden Knights were going wave after wave at all these chances and they weren't really able and they weren't able to get anything, I'm still a bit surprised, but... I do wonder, uh, I'm not sure when Max Petre will be healthy enough for the Fed to play again, but you have to hope that once he is made available for them, you know, he's able to kind of help produce some goals for them because that's that's his game. He's supposed to score goals for this team. Yeah, it's a much different team, it looks like, at least without Max Pacioretty, but it might not be that offensive juggernaut anyway. So if there are, you know, if you're taking away the leading scorer on the team or the guy who's been the leading scorer since he arrived – I mean, that's going to have an impact, and I, and I wonder what the rest of this series looks like. Do you, are, are you wavering at all about Vegas or the series after the game one? Or, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it's going to take a lot for this outage to persist. Um, I, I just think it's something to be con- a little bit concerned about because it's the same thing that, that undid them last year. Um, but in terms of Minnesota, I mean, Minnesota's been their kryptonite. I mean, I think there's only one regulation win for Vegas in what would be nine or ten meetings between them. That doesn't mean they didn't, you know, have other wins happen in overtime or the shootout. But they've just had had their issues, you know, pulling ahead. And I think part of that might be, I mean, we've given, we've come to realize that Minnesota has a lot of talent everywhere, certainly at the forward position. I mean, they certainly have two top lines. And if you look at their bottom six, like there's a lot of utility. Zach Parise can't even get in the lineup. And that's, that's not because Zach Parise is, you know, this great player who just, you know, he's just a victim of circumstance. I, I understand that he's fading, but a bad team would be able to fit Zach Parise in there somehow. <laughs> but even up front, I mean, up front, solid. Lots of got, lots of talent up top and lots of utility in the bottom. But I don't think we give enough credit to their defense core. I mean, it's really, really good. Guy like Ian Cole on the on the on the third pair who can be filling it, shut down minutes. I mean, and Jonas Brodin. I mean, this is a guy who I think a lot of people thought was sort of. You know, how good is this guy going to be? Is he even going to live up to the modest contract? I think he only makes about $4 million. Is he even worth that? He played brilliantly, I thought, in this game. So I I just think the this is a legitimate challenge for Vegas, who might be kicking themselves for not, allow, for not making sure that they won the division because this is such a more difficult matchup and just not a good miss, not a good matchup for them just as a team, but just a tough team in general. Minnesota is going to be a challenge, and they're going to have their hands full. 
Very good point. Also, Ryan Suter and Jared Spurgeon should also get some praise as well on that back line. You're absolutely right. I think mm-hmm. uh, we we haven't given Minnesota enough praise for their defense score. They've kind of crept in. We've looked at teams like Colorado and what they were able to produce on the back end as well. Uh, but yeah, I'll give you that. I think Minnesota, that with the way they play defensively, they've done pretty well as well. But I'm not wavering on my Vegas pick yet. I think if they find a way to score in game two, they get themselves a win here. Uh, this just the series probably has a slightly different outlook. I think if Minnesota gets the one up on them again in game two, then you start to feel a little bit more concerned. But I just think with the way game one went, it really could have gone either way. Uh, and I don't think it was necessarily that concerning of a loss. It was a hell of a game played by both teams, but not worrisome enough to make anyone who picked Vegas like myself think, oh no, is this the team that you know, I thought was going to win the Stanley Cup this year. I don't know. I think it was just a really good game played by both teams, and one team had to win and one team had to lose. We should clarify, though, that we both picked Vegas to get to the yes, we did. final before they coughed up the division. Okay, let's get to the main event. I I, I mean, there was a lot of, lot of uh, positivity and excitement and buildup. First ever meeting between the two Floridian teams. And I thought, okay, we're you know we're gassing these guys up a little bit too much. Like this can't be that good. I know they fought each other a bunch in the last few games of the season, and it was you know a bit of a tune-up. And maybe Florida was trying to psych themselves up, but there's some real hatred. Like this was exactly what we love about playoff hockey. A couple too many hits from behind for my liking, but other than that, that was as good as it gets in terms of playoff games. Tampa Bay beating Florida five-four. It's just wrapping up in front of me. There was 9,000 fans in the seats. They were loud. Sunrise was apparently a hockey city for the night. There were rats thrown on the ice. There were beautiful goals. Jonathan Huberdeau looks like a stud. It wasn't enough, but his third period was something to remember. Uh, and in the end, Braden points, you know, wins it with, I believe, 74 seconds left on a breakaway. Lots to dissect here. Um, and the thing that I didn't mention is the fact that Nikita Kucherov played his first game of the entire season and scored twice and helped Tampa Bay. You know, their power play, which was basically the difference it seemed in this in this game. So do we want to do the Kucherov discussion, the $98 million that were on the ice for Tampa now, or should we get into the game? I'll let you go any which way you want with this one to start, and we'll work our way through all the points that, are, that should be hit uh, in this game. Gary Bettman is sitting somewhere in his office watching this game between two Florida teams in Sunrise. Uh, I don't know if you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine at all, but he's like Commissioner Holt, just like, vindication? <laughs> like, think yeah. about it. All these years of everyone clowning Florida for not having fans in the stands for these regular season games. Lo and behold, the Florida Panthers look legit, and they give the reigning Stanley Cup champions a run for their money even if they have Nikita Kucherov in the lineup. What if I told you over a year ago that a Tampa Bay-Florida Panthers matchup in terms of attendance would be more than an upcoming Leafs-Canadians playoff game? Semantics. You know what? Hey, look, <laughs> I'm telling you. But, but all that to say, it's true. You're absolutely, look, it's, it's the truth. But damn, that game was really good. It was really fun. Action. Again, going back to my earlier point, that's the stuff you want to have hockey fans see, not some of the the BS that we were seeing uh, earlier in the year. But, like, come on. That was just a really fun game to watch. I didn't think that all of the games that that happened on Sunday would all be so good, even if this game didn't go to overtime. Still some quality entertainment here. But I'll, I'll get to Kucherov here. The fact that he was able to get those two goals for Tampa Bay, massive. 
massive for this Lightning team that I think a lot of people kind of underrated because of the fact that they fell so far back in the division. And then maybe some people were a bit hesitant on how healthy he would look, but he looked pretty fresh out there for the Tampa Bay mm. Lightning. Almost like he had been practicing for quite some time and he had been fresh yeah. the whole time, you yeah. know? Almost well, like he could have played a couple of weeks ago. Maybe, who knows? But uh, <laughs> I think the Tampa Bay Lightning, for what it's worth, they did what was in the rules. And some people might be upset about what they did, but it's within the rules and it's not cheating. So nothing wrong with Nikita Kucherov and the uh, the $98 million Tampa Bay Lightning doing their thing as far as I'm concerned. Because what else are you going to do if you're a team that has to deal with a flat cap world and it, increasing salaries by the year? What else are you going to do? I think it's brilliant on the part of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and now they get to reap the rewards of it. They have a chance to upset the Florida Panthers now with this series lead. So full marks to Julian Breesbois and his uh, crack – I don't know what the is crack staff or cracker. I don't even crack know team, what, crack staff, crack team, crack. crack staff, not crack. crack. Yeah, it's like with crack. <laughs> Julian Breezewell did a really good job. He did. Um, you know me. I'm all for circumvention. This is this is brilliant, and I love it. And I actually love it for Nikita Kucherov. Like tough year. I mean, there was a break, but you know what? The grind of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's tough. Yeah, uh, MVP season two years ago, that meant he was going hard every night trying to chase up those point totals. You know, it's not bad for him to miss a couple months and step in when he's fresh and healthy and, and ready to go. Like it's, uh, I mean, as someone who misses playing recreational hockey, like I'd love to play in games, but maybe him at the other end of the spectrum, maybe he didn't really care that he missed a couple and he's fresh when it matters most. I think Nikita Kucherov is, you know, it takes someone to agree to it, you think? Like, you know, there's probably handshake agreements. We're not going to, you know, say that it was blatant circumvention or break blatant rule breaking and all that. But we kind of know what happened here. And Nikita Kucherov had to be down with it. And he apparently was. And, and why not? Because he's back and he's scoring goals. Um, a lot. Okay. A lot of things from this first thing for me, though, the lightning to, you know, use a terrible pun. They're just a lightning rod, man. It seems like every interesting first round series, every time they're playing in postseason games, it is just complete chaos and and the most interesting thing that's happening in the Stanley Cup playoffs it seems always revolves around the Tampa Bay Lightning whether it's losing to the Columbus Blue Jackets whether it's going to like nine overtimes with Jonas Corposalo uh shutting them out in the first game I think of of the real Stanley Cup playoffs in the bubble last year like it's always just chaos around the Tampa Bay Lightning how fun would it be to be living and dying with all their playoff games and it appears like there's going to be many more even though the Panthers seem to be a game team um, but what I loved about this game and what I loved about the Panthers and their strategy, not to say that they went out of their way to do anything, but what the Florida Panthers did in this game, certainly early, was make the Lightning answer the question immediately of, can we do this again? Do we have it in us? Because this team has been waiting for this moment forever, has not been in the position we're in, and they're coming for our heads. So are we ready to play Stanley Cup playoff hockey for another four rounds and get 16 more wins. Are we ready for that as a team? And at the, at the start, I was like, Oh, I don't know if they are ready. Like we've seen teams wilt that have won before because they're just the passion, the drive and the need and the urgency is not quite there. But I think the lightning did, it kind of woke them up a bit, you know, like in a UFC fight where you get almost, you get knocked unconscious and then you get hit, hit again and it like wakes you up again. That's almost felt how I felt like the Tampa Bay lightning were in this game where it like, 
it was like they were going to get bullied and then they counterpunched and they were back into it. And maybe this is the lightning of old where they're just going to be, you know, going toe to toe here, obviously with Florida, this is going to be a great series. Uh, but maybe they're just primed and ready with a rested Kucherov for another great run. I don't know. I think so, man. I mean, of any team for the Florida Panthers to try to punch upward with, and I understand that uh, they're, you know, they they have home ice advantage in this series, but it's still the Tampa Bay Lightning. They still have the weapons that they have. They have the healthy bodies that they're able to bring back in Kucherov and Steven Stamkos as well. We didn't even mention Stamkos as well being available to them. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like, if you're, if you're the Panthers, good on them for, for going 100 miles and running against this team, but they better be ready to run because that Lightning team is not short on options to provide timely goal scoring whenever they need it. Maybe you would have liked to see uh, – Andre Vasilevsky not allow four goals, but Sergey Sergey Bobrovsky allowed five. So yep. it kind of works out for, for for the Lightning in this case. Well, they were sort of given a lifeline. And I will say my previous point, Joel Quenville knows that feeling, right? Like he knows yeah. when uh, he's been around the, the Chicago Blackhawks who won three Stanley Cups under his watch and were in the playoffs every year. And he knows what it, how hard it is to go back and back to back and like continue on these long playoff runs every year. So I, I think that's just one thing that, that struck out to me. But the other thing that struck me was the fact that this series might be completely dependent on whether or not the Florida Panthers take X amount of penalties because their yeah. penalty kill was horrific. And the reason Nikita Kucherov got going was because he was out on the power play just standing there sniping like he's always done. That's the easy way to get acclimated to, you know, not even just postseason hockey, but just playing hockey competitively again. So. I think that's one big thing in this series. Like, I know the Panthers were charged up, but a lot of those minor penalties they took, they can't take if they're going to win this series because A, their PK isn't good enough, and B, Tampa's PP is that good. And then the other big thing is the decision to start Sergei Bobrovsky. I don't think he was terrible. I actually think he had some good moments. And a lot he couldn't do. You know, you can't do... when Nikita Kucherov's just sniping, he has this, he's got an open net. It's going to go in, and if it's in the right spot, few goaltenders are going to get it. But Sergei Bobrovsky has not been their best goaltender this year. He might not be their third best goaltender. Or he would be their third, unless Nolachari. You want to give him credit for his Vesna caliber save in what that game. Save. But Chris Drieger's been the guy. He's been their best goalie this year. Bob's the one making money, and that's probably why he played in this game. And I don't know if there's enough to take him out based on this. But with the Tampa Bay Lightning, they are who they are. And if you're not going to put in your best option and goal, you might be giving away this series. So those are the things that struck me is like Florida is in this series for sure. They might be the better team in terms of like just preparedness and want and desire and maybe shift to shift. Maybe Alexander Barkov and and uh, Jonathan Huberdeau can create those mismatches, and maybe they are better set for this moment right now. But if they keep taking penalties, and if they don't put their best goaltender in net, it might not matter. I'm with you, and if I'm Joe Quenville, I'm making that goaltending switch into game two. I'm not even leaving it to chance for Bobrovsky again. I understand he's making money, but this is the Stanley Cup playoffs, and you're going up against the reigning champions, and they have shown that they have firepower, but your team showed up front that they could bring it as well in terms of the offense. So you're not feeling as worried about Huberdeau or Sam Bennett or any of those guys up front, but your goaltending, you're a little bit worried and you know, if Tampa can bring it, you need a rock solid goaltender at the back. And 
if I was Joe Quenville, I'd make the switch. I understand he's making money, but it's the Stanley Cup playoffs and you need to win some games. And a serious win for the Florida Panthers against this team of all teams would mean so much for this franchise. I think you need to make that switch into game two. Don't leave it to chance. Don't wait. Uh, the Florida Panthers being, you know, a part of the most interesting series, it seems like in round one, that's probably a big thing for the franchise, but they got to push it longer. They got to they gotta make sure they get this split in Florida or it could be over um, pretty quickly. Uh, again, Tampa Bay is a dangerous, lethal team, and they've already given up a game that they could have won. So it's uh, obviously game two, very, very important, just to say the obvious. Um, it's been almost 24 hours since Nick Dowd scored the game winner for Washington in game one. We're going to talk about that as part of our look ahead because Boston and Washington will be back on the ice before a single Canadian team for game two on Monday night. Um, And the big news from that series is probably Craig Anderson. I mean, there's other things going on, but the fact that a, I believe he's 40 now, Craig Anderson, who we we didn't think is ever going to play a meaningful hockey game again, just, you know, there is two more jobs opening up. There are two more jobs opening up next year. But Craig Anderson was a third goaltender insurance because Henrik Lundqvist wasn't around. This is a guy who should have been a fourth stringer coming into this year. He has no business playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but he might be the guy for Washington moving forward. One last ride in a career that probably was done. So I think the question in this series is, can he hold up? Because this is a series between two teams with very similar identities. Experience is the same. Winners, skill skill sets are pretty close to the same as well. So the biggest mismatch in theory would be Tuka Rask versus Craig Anderson. Anderson won round one. Tuka Rask should win the majority of rounds here. But, you know, do you see this being Washington's undoing even though they have the advantage? Uh, I think... It's a good question. I, I, for the story, I would love to see Craig Anderson hold up and, you know, put on his, put on some twilight great performance. This is a guy who hasn't been in the playoffs since 2017 when the Senators were like an overtime period away from making the Stanley Cup final at the expense of the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's amazing in itself. But I, I think if the Capitals are able to bring it with goal scoring and, and they're able to take it to Boston, at least up front, Anderson might not have to do as much, and that could at least mm-hmm. alleviate some pressure on him. But if it gets to a point where the two teams are so tightly wound and are so tight against each other, and then it comes down to goaltending, then the Bruins will definitely have the upper hand here. I, I just think for Anderson, if you're the if you're the Capitals, you have to hope that you know what, fine, Anderson's your guy. You kind of have to roll with him a little bit, but you just have to hope your guys in front. Uh, your Ovechkins, who, you know, Alexander Ovechkin looked like a man on a mission in game yeah. one. TJ Yoshi played a part in that game-winning goal, and <sighs> Tom Wilson picked up some points in game one as well. Guess very predictable, the... very predictable scoring the uh, opening goal in a game that he probably shouldn't have been playing in, but yeah. And then gets the assist on the overtime winner as well. assist on the winner, yep. Just a lot of people at home were all like, hey, any GM would want Tom Wilson on their team. Could point at a game and be like, see, that's why you want him on your team. But because that because it, it goes unpunished, he can be a pretty sizable asset for you. I guess so, yeah. But all that to say, if the Capitals are able to get production from some of those guys, then that alleviates some pressure on Craig Anderson, and they have a fighting chance uh, against the Boston Bruins with him in net. Well, I think they answered some questions in game one. I think maybe Alex Ovechkin won one of those questions because we didn't know about the health status coming in for Ovi. 
And he was a literal train on fire in the first few shifts of that game. He laid a massive hit on, I forget who it was, but I think it was, was David it Jeremy Krejci, actually. Or no? I think it was David Krejci. Pretty sure. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. It was Jer- he, it was uh, it was Krejci, but I think Jeremy Lozon took a run at him too. Uh, I mean, Ovi was just taking runs at everyone, but the big yeah. hit, the the okay, Ovi's fine. Hit was David Krejci for sure. And yes. honestly, I think that was a big thing coming in. Like we just didn't know what his status was, what what it was going to be all about for him. And I think he answered a lot of those questions. Still questions, obviously, about Yevgeny Kuznetsov. I don't know what's going on there, but it may be a lost know. cause at this point. But it doesn't seem like. You know, they're hung up on that. Uh, I talked about the identities with these two teams being very similar. Like, these are teams oozing postseason know-how. They just understand playoff hockey. They understand, you know, where the line is, how close to get it, when to go over it. Like, this is just experience on experience hammering each other head on. And that's what makes this series so great. It might make it not as exciting as Tampa, Florida, you know, and maybe not as, you know, edgy or seed as Vegas and Minnesota was earlier, but it's it's just two no two teams with just experience galore. And it, it makes for good hockey because it's that tight and that's why it's probably gonna be played so deep. And that's why Craig Anderson might be the difference, or at least the difference for Boston, because the margins are gonna be so thin. So if Tukaras can do his job, I, I mean, I think we both took Boston. I think I think you gotta still be confident in that if they're not gonna have uh, either Samsonov or, you know, maybe you don't want Vitek Vanacek based on what we saw. I know Kelly Rudy made a lot of noise with his criticism What did you think of, of that, by the way? What did you think of that? I thought that Listen. was so weird to say. You mean to tell, look, I don't know anything about Vitek Vanacek and, and how he prepares for games, but you really think he didn't prepare or stretch enough for this game? Like, it, I was very surprised by that from it, Kelly Rudy. I was too. It sounded like someone who knew something. And let's be honest. Kelly Rudy knows more about goaltending or forgot more about goaltending than I'll ever, ever, ever know. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Like, that's just, he, he knows, right? He knows the position. He knows what these guys go through. But it, it felt like he had some inside info or something. Like he, like it, well, he was already, it. like questioning his heart and integrity, like, and, and you know, his pr- preparation. Like that just seemed like it stemmed from something else. And maybe that's fine. Maybe it's legitimate because he knew something, but... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Jack Campbell got hurt a bunch of times this year and couldn't stay in or gutted through games, but couldn't play back-to-back, had to sit out, and there was a song and dance about him. I didn't see that energy when Jack Campbell was dealing with his injuries, and I don't think we'd ever see that 
certainly from you know a Canadian broadcaster going after a goaltender like Jack Campbell or one that plays for the Maple Leafs or the Canadians or so on and so forth. Like it, mm-hmm. it just felt like y- 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 it was a shot. Maybe it was easy to take against Vanacek, but you wouldn't dare take it against a guy like Jack Campbell. So uh, yeah. I don't know. I, again, I, 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 there's got to be a reason for it. It just seemed like it seemed very out of place when it, when I first heard it. Yeah. I, I just was very stunned and, and yeah, I don't know how he would have done it if, if, if that happened to Carey Price or or Jack Campbell or anyone else of that ilk. I was just and look again. I don't know anything about how Vitek Vanacek warms up for games or anything like that. But I have a hard time believing that Vanacek wouldn't have done everything he could to prepare himself for that game, stretching or wherever else he needed to do. And mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe he did, and that still kind of happens. Like I just, I was just very surprised by by Kelly Rudy's analysis who is otherwise a very sound analyst and and someone I think is really good with with hockey night in Canada I was very surprised to hear his comments the other night and ultra respectful and someone who you know you know it, it does he's not a guy who just you know goes after people for no reason or you know yeah. take shots take shots at anyone like that's not really his brand so when it came out of his mouth it was kind of startling but uh again we don't know we don't know what's going to be a net I, I I think we expect Craig Anderson to be a net we don't know what's happening with Samsonov. We don't know what's happening with Vanacek. But again, Craig Anderson, not expected to be in this position, but he will be probably back there for game two Monday night. Also Monday night, Colorado and St. Louis play their game one. Nashville and Carolina play their game one. Anything to watch for for those in those games before we get to the tire pumps? Is there anything that sort of stands out to you uh, when you're assessing your evening plans tomorrow night? I want to watch Colorado St. Louis, even if that game is going to be on super late. Ryan O'Reilly has definitely given the Colorado Avalanche some bolts and board material by him saying ahead of the series uh, that his team was going to win. And I get it, you know, when players go up and make those declarations like, you know, hey, what else are they supposed to say? Of course, they feel they're going to win a series. But I think it just kind of adds to the potential fun that could be had. The Colorado Avalanche are a well-oiled machine as far as I'm concerned, but I like the confidence that the St. Louis Blues seem to be going into in a series against the team that a lot of people are picking to win the Stanley Cup. So even if it is going to be late, I'm going to try my absolute best to watch game one of that series because if it's nearly as fun as some of the games that we've seen to this point in this in this year's playoffs, we could be in for a really fun series. And for Carolina and Nashville, I... I I would imagine for for the Hurricanes, you know, I think of all the series that I've looked at, this this might be like the most, not wide open, but I think if you're Carolina, I think you could win this in five. No shade to the Nashville Predators who found a way to put themselves in the position that they're in, but I don't really see them putting up as much of a fight as opposed to some of the other underdog teams. I I think Mm. they've kind of overachieved a little bit, and they're going to run up against a really good team in the Carolina Hurricanes, and they might fade a bit. So not as excited for that series. But I could be totally wrong. Who knows? I wonder what Carolina's thinking watching tonight's Tampa-Florida game. Uh, Interesting to see. uh, I mean, we both expect Carolina to get through. We don't know who's going to get through for – Tampa and uh, Florida, but that's a different brand. I don't know if that's Carolina style, not to say they're not a tough team, not to say that they're not equipped to deal with all that. Um, but, you know, I'd be, uh, I'd be looking to get through Nashville as quick as possible so I can prepare myself for that one. Uh, mm-hmm. With Col- one more note on Colorado, St. Louis, potentially no David Perron. He, w- he got, uh, 
He was listed on the COVID-19 list. I almost thought we were done with this. Almost. Yeah. But David Perron, at least a, con- a close contact, whatever happened, he's on the list for a second straight day, which means he is questionable at this moment for game one versus the Colorado Avalanche, who are getting pretty close to fully healthy and for that reason are quite dangerous. Okay, let's wrap it up with the tire pumps. Uh, sort of improp- impromptu, wasn't in the plans, but we're throwing it out anyway because that's the only way we end the show unless we really want to dive into the Calgary-Vancouver analysis, which... I don't think we really do. Do you have that game on? Or is, is that why you're like stretching around to I, see? I meant to have it on, but I think it's on Sportsnet West and, uh, you know, obviously regional restrictions apply. Uh, you know what's funny, actually? I'm going to watch it, though. I think, it, I think it'll be funny. You're nuts, dude. I have to write something before I go to sleep. I, I, by the time you hear this, maybe it would have been done. But uh, I'm probably not going to sleep all that much. But uh, no way am I going to watch Calgary Vancouver. Sorry, Samantha White- Chang. I'm not doing it. White noise in the background. <laughs> maybe i guess i'm just um, hoping we see louis deming at some point because louis deming has been on the bench forever jacob markstrom has played like a million games in a row i think and they're just like give him a chance these are nothing games okay tire pump go for it okay um yes it is very impromptu uh i literally have been sifting through my head trying to think who or what has been deserving of a tire pump i'm literally like i pulled out the tire pump from the glass case yeah, and I still so have step one, step so one good. down, step one down. So that's good. Um, you know what? Why not give it to uh, Cam Talbot and Mark Andre for the goaltender? Damn say. it! Okay, fine. If that's what you're gonna go with, I'll find something else. That's fine. I'll let I'll okay, let you I'll give it to, that one. But I don't really have anything to say. I mean, Cam Talbot. I don't even think we mentioned his name. That's why I was gonna mention his name. Yeah. Like he was he was brilliant. Mean, we probably did, but he was 42 saves in a playoff shutout. Yeah. Against, Vegas, like, and I was giving all the love to Flurry. So Cam Talbot at least deserves a bit of a tire pump for that performance. Can he do it again? He might have to because we're probably going to see 40 shots a game from Vegas, whether or not their quality looks or not. They're going to be a lot of looks. I think if memory serves, Cam Talbot was like three saves off the Minnesota Wild franchise record for most saves in a playoff game. And if memory serves, Mm. I could be wrong, and I could be fact-checked about this, was it Manny Fernandez or was it uh, someone else who holds that record? Anyway, it doesn't matter. But Cam Talbot made enough saves to challenge himself to to get to a point where he could have made franchise history in a winning effort. But the fact that he got 42 saves in the shutout, I think he uh, he definitely deserves a tire pump. Um, Let's call look, it a joint dude, pump. The, Let's call yeah, it a joint pump. A joint Cam Talbot pump. from the both the first ever joint pump for Cam Talbot. 42 saves. There it is. You can't see the pump if you're listening, but if you're watching, that is a high-quality bicycle tire pump, and it's it serves its purpose. Okay, yes. so let's uh, let's wrap this baby up. Um, we're still working out exactly how this is going to work, but you know, you're in Montreal, covered the Canadians for a long time. I'm in Toronto, covered the Maple Leafs for a long time. So I think we should give some we should spin some takes after these games when they finally get going. So we're going to figure out exactly how you and I are going to approach this. I will be doing as much as I can to fill in from a solo perspective, but we're going to have a lot of audio for y'all to listen to throughout the playoffs that just got underway this weekend. And it was so, so fun sitting on the couch all day with three spectacular hockey games. Julian, I'll let you sign it off. I know there was a birthday in the family, so you can go that route if you'd like. Um, But if you have anything else to pump other than Cam Talbot's tires, the floor is yours. 
probably could have pumped my dad's tires, actually. What's very funny, actually, <laughs> uh, a few days ago, uh, my dad and I were just talking casually, and uh, he mentioned that, uh, you know, sometimes when he's, you know, working, he'll sift through the internet and he'll come across some articles on uh, Yahoo Sports, okay. and uh, he'll see uh, our uh, appearances together uh, pop up in a little box that'll show up on the website. You'll be like, Hey, yeah, son, I noticed uh, you're on Yahoo Sports and you do the stuff with uh, some guy with a beard. And I'm like, mm. oh, you mean Justin Cuthbert? You know, and yeah, Justin Cuthbert, yeah, he's great. So uh, not only uh, am I going to give my dad a tire pump, uh, I can let you know that uh, you have another fan in my father. Well, not that I don't want him to go to the website, but let's get him on Twitter because that's that's the easiest no, way to access don't do that. stuff, he, man. He doesn't even have a cell phone. He's not even going to do that. Well, anytime I tweet anything, I hear it from my dad on Twitter. So maybe that's the right idea. I hope you, I hope you put all your frozen, you put your fruit in the freezer. By the way, uh, I noticed your dad was giving you grief over that. Yeah, that, that's what I was referencing, my friend. Okay, um, <laughs> my fruits in the freezer in this podcast is over. Another Sunday edition. This time at night. I kind of like the night, the nighttime edition. Um, yeah. But we'll, we we got more on the way, and we look forward to it. Julian, we'll catch up next week or this week. Peace. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.